Hey, what's going on, all you dog-loving peeps out there? First and foremost, you guys, sincerely, listen to what I'm about to say. Thank you. That's right, you, the person who's listening to this. Oh, no, he's not talking about... Yes, I'm talking about you. I literally... This was a dream of mine to work with dogs professionally. I have my own podcast now, and you're listening to this, and I want to thank you. I'm so grateful for you. I appreciate you consuming my content in this form and any other form that you consume my content in. And today, guys, I have an awesome podcast for you, and it's with my good friend, Forrest Mickey. As you guys know, or maybe you don't know, Forrest has been on the podcast before. He's a world-renowned dog trainer. Uh, he's a great friend of mine. He's a true inspiration in the dog training industry, and we talk about so much in this podcast. I've already listened to this a couple times to really just squeeze it all out before I actually put it out there. And um, just a great uh, conversation. And again, this is just two dog trainers talking. We talk about everything from Justin Bieber to remote collars to prong collars. I mean, it gets it's just two dog trainers and also two friends and colleagues sitting down having a conversation about dogs. So anyway, I, I know you're going to enjoy it. I appreciate you guys listening to um, this is a little slice of dog training heaven, in my opinion, to listen to Forrest talk about the things he's got going on, the inspirations, and um, just just a great conversation. But before I get into that, I, guys, I'm, I'm doing a giveaway. Uh, I appreciate you guys so much. I want to give back as much as I possibly can. And what I'm doing is I'm going to give a, a one, one half an hour session. My schedule is completely slammed. Guys, I want to give back as much as I can. I wish I could do more right now, but I can't. So half an hour is going to be yours for my online training, uh, which means we can work with FaceTime. We can work with Zoom. We can work on just a phone conversation, but I want to talk to you and help you about your dogs in any way I can. And all you guys have to do to enter to win is if you haven't yet, all you have to do is leave a review in the reviews below and then screenshot it, and then share it with me on Instagram. If you've already left a review, you can still enter. Don't worry. I still appreciate you for leaving a review before. All you have to do, guys, is screenshot this on whatever you're listening to this on and share it with me on Instagram and tag me at Tom Davis to be automatically entered to win. Also want to give a huge thank you to my friends over at Dogtra.com. As you guys know, Dogtra is the only remote collar that I use and trust with my dogs and my clients' dogs off-leash. You guys can get 10% off your entire order at Dogtra.com if you spend $200 or more, which is awesome. It's great. I appreciate that. And they're giving it back to you. That's another thing that you guys are, I mean, just giving stuff away on this podcast. I appreciate you. I appreciate my sponsors over at Dogtra for supporting the podcast. Don't forget, use the discount code NBD10 if you're thinking about getting a remote collar to train your dog off leash and to train your dog without a leash. Whatever you want to do, Dogtra's your company. Dogtra.com. Also, I wanted to say thank you so much to my friends over in Germany at Herm Springer. As you guys know, Herm Springer and I have partnered up recently, and uh, I just, I can't, you know, I'm floored. You know, Herm Springer is such a big company. I'm so grateful to be partnered with them. I talked to one of the owners, Martin Springer, over in Germany. Uh, we do Zooms, and we do, uh, we, do, we do chat. We chat, and we talk about all the different things that's coming up and, and creating new ideas and just talking about dog training and talking about Germany and dogs. It's just, it's a wonderful uh, partnership, and I appreciate Herm Springer for, for trusting me and, and allowing me to be able to represent them and uh, also support this podcast. So anyway, uh, if you guys haven't yet, don't forget in the in the comments or in the comments in the description below, uh, Herm Springer's Instagram as well as everything that we're going to talk about with Forrest is and the discount code for Doctor is going to be in the description below. So without further ado, my boy Forrest Mickey, let's get into it. Yeah. <laughs> 
you look like. <laughs> you really do look like a Justin Bieber. Yeah. Anyway, uh, cool. So, yeah, everybody kind of at this point, because you've been on my podcast for, like, this is like the third or fourth time, so I appreciate mm-hmm. you hopping on. And, you know, I always like, you know, connecting with you anyway, but mm-hmm. a couple of things I want to talk about today besides your, your new online course that you're, well, I guess, what would you call it? It's more of a... It's tutorial. Tutorial. Yeah. yeah I want to yeah. chat about that. But I have some... I have awesome. Some, I have some things rolling in the back of my, my mind that I want to ask you that I get I get frequently asked questions, and sure. I wanted to do some frequently asked questions with Forrest. Um, yeah. First question is, what's your... And, and we've discussed this a little bit before, but what's your what's your rules and, and requirements as a, as, a, as a dog trainer for your clients to... Um, work with a with a prong collar, specifically like a just like a prong collar, not like a slip collar or anything. Yeah, I think that for me, the prong collar is the most eloquent tool that you can use, or training collar that you can use to get a dog to yield to leash pressure. And when I say eloquent, I mean that you put the least amount of pressure on the leash or tension on the leash to actually get the response that you want. And so, um, I don't like slip collars myself and then um, I do use in certain situations like a slip lead like a nylon collar that's a slip I would use that tool and the subtlety of that tool if I was trying to teach a dog to move with optimism uh, into behaviors and so like what I mean by that is I've got a behavior that the dog already knows what to do let's say it's a stand I can say stand and the dog stands and I go that's great or let's use the down. That's more common. Stand would be for sport work. We have we have that as one of our position changes. But a down, and everybody likes to teach a down. So um, I can say down, and my dog goes down. And I've done that with food, let's say, or toy, or inducibly somehow. And I go, you know, I think someday I'd like to have the ability to enforce that with a leash on my dog. And so I'm going to teach them how to turn off leash pressure in a very specific direction. So I'm going to pull the leash down towards the ground. And I want that to eventually mean, or for the dog to understand that when they feel that, they should go into a down in order to make that pressure go away. And so I'll layer that unknown leash over a known verbal cue. So if I've got a verbal cue that works, I can say down and my dog goes down and they're happy about it. Um, That's the first thing that I need. And then I'm going to teach them how to reconcile or turn off leash pressure. So before I give the verbal cue, I gently pull down on the leash the dog feels it, and if they're inexperienced, they probably don't do anything when they when they feel that. But what happens next is I say down, and the dog goes, I know what that means, and so they go down. And right when they start to initiate going down, the leash pressure goes away. And so the experience of the dog is they feel the leash. The leash shouldn't be more than they can deal with or tolerate at the time. It certainly shouldn't worry them so that they can't pay attention to or be present for the actual cue that I'm going to give next that's owning the behavior or signaling the behavior. So I want it to be gently there, but still to be present. So the leash pulling down, the dog goes, not sure what to do with that, but I'm not too worried about it. They hear the down command. They go, I know what that means. And they go down and the leash goes away. And plus I might give them a piece of food for it. And what happens if you repeat that a bunch is pretty soon the dog gets smart and they go, I feel that leash pulling on me again. I bet dude's going to say down next. And what happens then is I go down and I get a reward. So they start to actually perform the down just with the leash pressure alone. And we call that 
pairing signals or conditioning signals. And so an unknown signal, the leash in this case, happens before, just before the known signal, which is the verbal cue down. And if you pair those things together, or if you kind of proceed one with the other, pretty soon the dog will start to go down on the unknown signal. It'll become known. We're talking about the leash in this sense. And so if I've got the dog's attention or I've captured their imagination or I'm working in my 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 home or my lab or the stale environment where the dog is not distracted by anything and they're present and they're focused on the training. Um, this is a nice way to teach a dog how to move around with the leash and you don't need much. You just need them to perceive something. And I'll often use just a light, gentle slip lead. So the slip lead is just, it's both collar and leash and I'll use that. But I know the dog is really focused on the training and they're paying attention. A pinch collar <clears throat> You actually, to get like a dog that's not paying attention or that's used, has a history of pulling on the leash or in a situation where the person and the dog are just outmatched and you've got like a really powerful dog and a person that just can't contend with that. Yeah. Um, the, the pinch is incredibly useful in those situations. And still we follow like a thoughtful way to teach the dog how to turn off the pressure. We don't just go out and start to, um, you know, pop them around in a pinch collar. There might be a situation, you might do something like that. I wouldn't put it past me like I'm always open like what the heck's going on here and what needs to be done but um, still the pinch collar just like I described before with the down is introduced in a similar fashion but the pinch has got the ability I think at uh, when, like when you need it to to be more aversive and more clear yeah. than a slip lead or uh, a choke chain and so those the choke chain I, I don't I don't use but the pinch collar I definitely use for bigger, stronger dogs on walks. Mm -hmm. So like what, what age do you think would be, and I know that we've, we've had this discussion before. Um, and I think like one, and again, I, I wanted to open up this segment with you as frequently asked, frequently asked questions with Forrest. Cause sure. I, you know, I, I want, I want other people to, to weigh in on some of these things. And I, of course, listening to you are, are, are writing, taking notes and, and jotting some things down mentally. Um, so I and I and before you before you dive into the age, of course, uh, for people who are listening, certainly there's going to be um, breeds, uh, genetics, what you're doing. Like you're talking about um, trying to teach new behaviors, not necessarily working on um, correcting jumping or right. whatever. Right. So mm -hmm. do you want to walk through maybe two segments of okay when we're introducing leash pressure with. Um, developing new behaviors like you discussed versus correcting unwanted jumping, pulling, uh, barking, mm. et cetera, behaviors. <clears throat> so wh where do you, where do you think that age lies? Cause that's, I mean, honestly, that's such a big question I get. Yeah, I believe it. Um, it's, and for me, it would be less about the age and more about the dog's skill set and where they're at. And yeah. so I want to know that the dog has got some experience, um, being invested in the training and that they feel good about it. And so I, my, my criteria before starting to teach the dog with um, a pinch collar, ideally, if it can be this way, is sure. I've, um, like, if it's a person that, well, let's just not stay too abstract here. Let's say that uh, the dog is invested in the training and I, I use food for that. So no matter what, if I got a dog in, even if it had severe, like, um, if it was displaying some sort of ten aggressive tendencies or some sort of problematic behavior that I know in my mind, I've got to tackle that eventually. I'm for sure going to start at least trying to develop some sort of relationship or 
rapport with that dog and I'll probably use food to get it on board with the training. So I could say, Hey, I've got something for you. Um, and even if that takes a few days to get the dog invested in that, that's just something that I like personally. Um, it suits my kind of training style is I want the dog to get interested in the training and learn that they can make things happen within it. So, Hey, you pay attention to me, you get some food. Um, there's this environment is safe. There's nothing going on. Those, those big furry dogs that you're really afraid, afraid of and you exhibit what looks like aggressive behavior when you see those things, we're going to get to that eventually. But right now, they're not present. You're in a safe place, and I just want you to start to understand who I am and that I'm worthy to pay attention to. And I use food to get the dog invested in that. And so we'll teach them things like a sit, a down, start to maybe like feed them in place for just walking by my side. And by no means does that mean the dog knows how to heal on a leash or that they're going to sit in public or that they're going to sit when those white dogs, those big furry dogs are around that they're scared of. But at least I'm starting to train them or teach them some things. And then once that dog is interested in the training or invested and I've captured their mind a little bit, um, might start to go and practice some of those skills that I've built like in home, maybe take the show on the road a little bit. Right. And I'll bring them to places that are, um, that's, they're still comfortable or capable of paying attention and rehearsing the things that we've already built, but I wouldn't be teaching them anything new. And then also in the lab. So let's say I've got this dog in a safe place and it's comfortable and capable of learning. I want to teach it how to, uh, I want to, any tool that I might intend to use as an adversive or to correct a dog with later on, I would teach them um, how to take information from that tool in a gentle way first. And so back to the example first that we were talking about teaching a dog to go down with the Mm -hmm. gentle downwards pressure on a leash. I would do that uh, in a safe place, in a place that the dog can pay attention. When they're focused on the training, when they're feeling optimistic, when they've got a a good attitude about it all, I'm going to say, hey, do you feel the same thing? This prong collar with the leash on it, when I pull on it gently towards the ground, I want you to go go down with it. And I'm going to facilitate that learning so the dog picks it up really quickly. I might use a lure cupping with it. So it's going to be the leash down plus a lure, the leash down plus a down, whatever. And so I teach them how to move around with these tools in a safe environment so they get the hang of it and they have some sort of like analog of understanding with this stuff. And then... I'm going to start to call on these skills, both my, like the dog's new interest in the training that didn't have it before, uh, their understanding that they're going to get food for paying attention or doing things I ask. Yeah. I'm out in public, coupled with the leash work that I've, that I've got in place. And so I'm going to start to take these skills that it has and start to bring it out into the real world. And um, within what they're capable of doing, maintain, continue to instill that education or build that skill set now out where I really need it. And so I would just say this though, there are situations certainly like where like somebody, uh, here's an example. About three months ago, I was walking around in a local town near me and there was this lady that had a dog on a pinch collar and she was walking around and this, this dog was standing up on its hind legs. Anytime it saw a dog pulling right through the pinch and barking and getting all excited. And she was just like holding it there and it was just pulling through the pinch. Like it was no big deal. And I was like, man, and it made me, and I don't, you know, like kind of what I'm about now, uh, Tom is either like, I'll go down by my school and teach or I'll put, I'll make some online re- or some video resources for people to, uh, yeah. to purchase or whatever, but I'm not so much going out and doing lessons so much anymore. Um, I just kind of changed my, the way that I reach people, 
Um, but I just, I was walking around with one of my dogs. I just had to like ask her if she wanted some help eventually at some point. I'm like, this is a lady that lives in my area. You know, I don't know her for, for not, but her dog looks pretty cool. Aside the fact that he looks like a maniac pointer on a pinch collar. <laughs> but I just feel like I can make a quick fix. And it was, that was stressing me out. That whole situation yeah. that I'm like, I need to come and help you. It's almost like a bit of a responsibility. Dude, that's kind of what I felt like. So I gave her my yeah. my information. I said, "Hey, listen, I'm not trying to be like nosy or whatever, but if you ever wanted some help with that, I might be able to help you out." He gave her my name and said you could look me up or whatever. So a couple months later, she contacted me and she said, "I just could really use your help. This is getting out of control." And that lesson, basically, um, I, I found out that the dog already had some training with uh, like the prong collar, so she didn't just put it on there blindly and, and hope it worked. It had some information and some training that went along with that, and so. I basically just gave him brush up course, but it was, um, what I ended up doing was going back up with the intensity on the collar because I needed to get his attention and I needed him to mind that tool again. What he had done slowly over time since the training, I don't know where she did training or what was going on with it, but he, he was a pretty like happy fellow. And, and when the tool was used right, he was really responsive. She just wasn't using it right. And so I just went back through and, um, like tuned him up a little bit and he had learned to push through the information on the collar. So he had calloused, we'd say he had, um, built up a tolerance to the sensation. And so he felt like he could just, you know, he didn't have to pay attention to it. So I just made it more salient to him. And he totally was like, yeah, I know exactly what to do with this thing. And so we walked through some drills that she could do. I fixed up some handling and gave her some simple things that would make a difference. And, I run into her every once in a while now and the dude's walking like a dream and that's, that's cool. But so that was a situation where the dog already had some experience learning on the collar. But I went in and I said, Hey man, I know that you know what this tool is. So we're going to actually check you, check you a little bit. And it wasn't just about the tool. It was about her just becoming more clear to him as well. Yeah. And I find, Um, I find too, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I was just going to say like, you know, something I've been really passionate about, especially now that I've kind of hopped on Herm Springer and their, um, mm graciously utilizing me for you know helping people uh and educating people in a a proper manner about the the prong collar is you know the unfortunate thing is it is such a beautiful tool but it's also equally as misunderstood and there's no instructions with it you know so when you so i think a lot of people the the conception about the tool is put it on the dog pulls through it and it hurts, so they stop, and and people yeah. don't people don't realize. And I did this one demonstration with this really tough German Shepherd uh, banging through the leash, and I was explaining to people like I'm going to put this. It was a nice Herm Springer 3.0. The dog was just barreling through it, and I had him basically on a bark and hold at this other dog. This he was at the end of the leash, just going crazy. And I said, you know, here's the, th- and I was, I was mic'd up. So I was talking like I'm talking to you and the, he's going mm-hmm. crazy. And we had a, and he was on a prong collar. Correct. Yeah. yeah and so he it. was boom, 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 mm-hmm. you know? And I said, here, here's the thing, guys, I really want you guys to understand. And I think it was, I mean, to me, there's, a, there's, you know, when I, it, same thing with you, Forrest is like, um, you know, a lot of this stuff you do is, is, is very clinically, put together and put out very instructionally. And for me, you know me, I'm loosey goosey. Like, let's just roll with it. Like, let's, let's well, that's dog training is a feel like you get into a yeah. moment. 
there's yeah. no instruction book for that shit. You're just like, we got to go with what the dog's given me. Exactly. And that was a great opportunity because I just wanted to share with people. And it was just a good good thing, and I'm really happy that we got it on film. And he was hitting off the end of the leash, hitting off the end of the leash. And I wish it was something that some of these countries and, and, and these policyholders could watch maybe about the collar and how mm. ineffective it is um, for dogs actually when they actually just hit right across it um, and it doesn't cause any severe damage. And so what I did is I let him bounce, bounce, bounce. And I said, okay, now I'm going to correct him. And I just and I think people don't realize the mechanics of the prong and how it actually contributes mm. that pressure and how to actually mm -hmm. do everything. And so... He was hitting at the end of the leash, and I just took it, and I just snapped it back, gained that leverage <clears throat> in the leash, a little bit of slack, snapped it, and he just <laughs> ripped right around. He's like, oop, me? I said, yep, you? Mm. And that was it, and it ended. So that was probably similar to what you were yeah. dealing with. Was it yeah. fit, that, that dog that was on the back feet, was it fit properly, or was it hanging down? Or Yeah, it was too loose. So we took out two two links, which made a big difference. Even that dude just alone fitting it properly, yep. like Huge. That's, that was half the battle, so. Yeah, that's cool. Like, um, there's, uh, let's see, two things I want to say. Like, one is it might, in certain situations, like in many situations, I think it's a good idea to, the tool that you do intend, even if you know, like, eventually this is probably going to be used to correct the dog, or I'm going to want to yeah. make this an aversive experience. Like, this dog uh, is exhibiting a dangerous behavior, and I've, I've, done my work and I've built incompatible behaviors and I've got this, this dog invested in training and I've got its attention and I can do the food workout here. But man, like there's this one thing that just catches it. It can't stop chasing four wheelers or something like that. Right. Yeah. No matter what I do, no matter how often or well I pay a down stay, it still wants to go break and do this thing. I don't know. Uh, so maybe for example, um, and you know that in order to like, to be certain, to be sure, to trust this dog completely, like off leash, to give it this freedom, whatever, however you decide it, you say, this is going to be a good move for the overall well-being of this dog is I need to punish this behavior away. And that's a very real situation. And you know what tool you're going to use to punish that dog away. You could just go on and say, if this is um, like kind of a localized problem right here, this one little thing, I might just use this tool to stop that thing. And that's all I need because the dog is perfect elsewhere. Yeah. But if you want to use the tool more generally and have it back up other things and actually be like, there's quite sophisticated applications now for leashes and for electric collars or remote collars. Um, and if you want to um, use those tools, I think in more like modern modern fashion or sophisticated fashion like to push the dog into behavior then if you start off by before the dog has any experience with it just correcting them with it it might be hard to get them back from that so like with a remote collar is probably a, a better example to talk about it but let's say that the dog is exhibiting a some sort of behavior it's going after something and you i'm just going to correct it at a really high level well, I hope my timing's good and I just want to pair this behavior with this punishment and hopefully it goes away. And so you're hoping that the dog has this single event that they learn from and that it lasts. And then maybe you orchestrate that and you get the result that you want. But then, you know, like um, a month or two later, you decide, hey, I think I want to teach my dog what escape training is. I want to use low level stimulation and I want my dog to feel that and to process it and to feel in control of it, and make it go away by performing behavior. So escape training, <clears throat> that dog might be so like still caught up from that experience that it had that first experience with the collar or maybe with the electricity high or the correction being really high. And so the temperament of the dog or whatever might decide that I can't really bounce back for that or that information. I just don't like it at all. That Stressful. thing was such an adversive experience. And now when I feel it 
even in its subtleties. Um, it's not something that I'm very keen on. And so if I had a dog that even though I knew later on I might um, use a tool to like to punish something away and it might have to be a pretty pointed um, in like response that I give them, um, I might, if I have used to teach them uh, to move around with the tool or use it more subtly, I'll do that work first, I think yeah. is the point. Yeah. And then I'll just say this too. There's certain dogs that um, like they're physically tolerant. Like my, I think about my dog Elzer um, and – like I did some remote collar training with him specifically in the protection work because he was a strong dog. So for outing, for contact healing, for whistlebacks and ring sport. And, um, there's, a just, it's kind of tra- trendy right now. Uh, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It just is that you can use a collar to, or electricity to like stimulate the dog into behavior. So the electricity, means that you're about to be asked to do something. And when I ask you to do that, you should do it fast because the faster you do it, the quicker the electricity goes away. Plus I'm going to give you a reward for it. So their attitude stays up. I've heard that be called yeah. like a, like a gas pedal. Sure. So, so they're yeah. Like almost it, like accelerating the dog into a behavior before they ask it. Yeah. Well, or, or you get them, you get them keyed up to perform it. And so, um, and there's like, there's really smart training that can, or there's, uh, it's detailed training and it's clever training that can go into getting a dog to accept what used to be like exclusively an adversive experience, but to perceive that low level stim as like an opportunity. That's really the attitude that you're after. The dog feels that they know they're going to be asked to do something. They're keyed up to perform that thing very quickly because they know they're, they're motivated by both escaping the pressure, but earning the reward that comes through escaping the pressure which how is they, done through performing behavior. How are they cued? Like, I don't understand. Well, the electricity coming on means they're about to be asked to do something. So, you just, so it's almost general, like a call. They just yep. load it. Like where they're like, you're, right. oh, okay. And then That's it's, right. and they're like, so they probably continuous down yeah. place, whatever. And then as soon as they get there, it shuts off. So they're almost loading. Right. And so the dog's more, right. in, more intense in the behaviors because of that. That's load. right. I got it. Yeah. And in the beginning, in the beginning, if you wanted to like just pair the electricity or it is electricity, the stimulation, let's call it with uh, like some sort of a petitive, a reward, you would just buzz it at a really low level. So the dog can still perceive it. They can still feel it. Um, And then right when you buzz it, it's almost like a clicker buzz, pay food, buzz, food, buzz, food, buzz, food. I got shit for for doing that once. But yeah, yeah, well, if it's not offensive to the dog. Pretty soon it starts to predict rewards, so they feel that, and they start to amp up because they know they're about to get a treat, mm-hmm. right? And so that could be the inception of uh, – the conception, inception of then what happens next is you press the button, and you ask them to do something, and they do it, and then you click yeah. treat, whatever. So you're just, a, you're there's just associating the, the stimulation. That's right. Yeah. That's it, charging it, yeah. But there's um, – and this is something that you would learn through experience, right? So to say that as a, as a general approach to dog, dog training, I'm – for me, I'm never like, uh, it's just such, I'm just like, I'm, I'm an open-minded evidence-based guy and I do my best to let like the dog in front of me kind of tell where we need to go with the training and I just aim to have a lot of shit that I can work with. Right. Or whatever that dog is bringing to the yeah, table. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, with Elzer, um, he's physically insensitive. He's emotional in all the ways that you kind of want to see a working dog be emotional. He arouses easily. He connects. He like cause and effect comes really easy, especially when it's like nice toys or big rewards at the end, especially a decoy. So there's certain training situations where he's really motivated to be a part of the training. 
and really eager to get what comes out of being a part of the training. And if I were to pair um, electricity or something that I want to be aversive later on, if I was to pair that with acquisition of rewards, um, he would too easily, um, this is kind of just was my experience with it, um, connect that dot and be like, I feel electricity, this means I'm getting paid. And as a route, he would be over aroused. So what the caller would do in that situation, if I were stimming him um, in order to get his attention or along with cues like down, intermittent stim, they would call mm -hmm. it, right? So I'm using the remote collar in this way to get him aroused and to get him excited about doing the next thing. And once he does it, he gets paid. The collar gets him over aroused. And what happens is later on when I want to evolve that input to be punitive, it doesn't have the effect because him being physically insensitive, him being really emotional, him being a strong forward dog just feels like going through that. And now when I'm trying to get him to stop with that, it's almost like his body physiologically, he can't do it because he's so amped up. That thing has always meant go, go, power, right. power, move, move. And now I'm saying, no, stop, let go. And he clinches down harder. He fights more. And so if the goal with, if you're going to use any sort of tool, um, generally you, you teach the dog with whatever behavior you want to use it with. You teach them first to escape the pressure. So, hey, I want you to recall to me and I'm going to prepare you to if you don't recall, then I can pressure you with it or I can punish you for absence of recall. So first you just teach them to turn off the, the leash by coming to you or turn off the collar by coming to you. But you don't hang out there too often because they might go, I feel that pressure. That means I come to you and I get rewarded. Hey, it's a good thing. It's I want this thing eventually to stop you in your tracks or I want this thing eventually to be information that you did the wrong thing and I need you to do the right thing or punishment for doing the wrong thing. And if you hang out too long by making that thing lead to rewards, you take away some of the effect of the punishment. Was that kind of wordy? I feel like I was jumbling yeah. that around a no, little I, bit. No, I think, I think it makes no. It makes sense to me, uh, and I think the people that are listening will 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 gather all that. And I think at the end of the day, it's just be careful what you wish for with the collar and how you introduce it. And I think generally speaking, the majority of people out there that are working with the collar are going to be using it for every day obedience, uh, right. uh, escape training type stuff, um, and then association. But I think also, too, you shed some, some good light on, on um, just making sure that, first of all, with, you know, the, 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 the demonstration uh, with Elzer, uh, with making mm -hmm. sure that, you know, careful what you wish for. If you use it as, as accelerant or like gas, and then you want to use it as a aversive uh, escape training. Okay, drop it. The now. break. Yeah, the yeah. break later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you just got to be careful how you introduce it. But I think generally speaking, uh, you know, everyone that's using the remote collar outside of ring sports or even in general, I, th I guess, um, you know, same thing with the prong collar. Let's just have yeah. that conversation to make sure the dog. So for me, you know, with the e-collar, it's, um, it's, I think it's in modern times, like you mentioned, like modern uh, uses. Yeah. You know, all mm -hmm. the studies and all the, the stuff that are saying, you know, how, you know, how, how the old way was basically just breaking a dog, if you will. Um, yep. you know, all the studies about how it, how it makes them feel is from the, the, the training that's done from maybe back then or, you know, and maybe not how it's being used now for sure. And, um, yeah. I think it's just making sure that the dog is associating the e-collar with a very, um, I'm careful when I say positive because I'm not meaning it as actually positive in, mm -hmm. in the dog training term but actually positive as in a, a reward or an association with something wonderful yeah like yeah pleasant experience yeah. versus a, a non-pleasant one yeah and i find um yeah I, sorry i was just gonna say it's the same thing with the prong collar 
just making it fun. Yeah. Like you said one day um, that I really liked about the phone call, you said it's a conversation. And I think that's the same thing with the e-caller. It's a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You, and you decide as the handler uh, how, how you want that. You want it to be calm and clear and mm-hmm. patience conversation? Yep. Or do you want it to be yep. loud and abrupt and kind of edgy and kind of like, yeah. okay, this is kind of scary? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there might be a time for for either, you know? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to uh, say that. In, and so people that might be listening to this or whatever, they'll – Oh, they'll listen. You know, I used to, Okay. <laughs> they're, they're not might listening. They're listening. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all listening. Well then I used to do, I used to do a little bit of sport work and, um, one of the things this, mm, let me say this, uh, say it, say I, it brother. I was in, uh, <laughs> help load. Help. Say it. Preach I was it. in, I was in China. Uh, this was probably four years ago and I was, um, kind of crazy how that all came about, but I was judging this competition. It was for a sport that I wrote over there. And a few months before me going over there to uh, do this competition, judge this competition, there was um, a, lo- a lot of the people that end up participating in this competition had gone to a seminar and it was um, somebody was teaching them remote collar training and they had sort of advocated that for all these dogs to be on, um, to have the remote collar stimulation paired every so often with a cue when they gave it. Right. So, um, it wasn't before it wasn't after it was come and then they, they might nick them automatically with the come command. Right. And maybe they would do that every third time. So every third time you told the dog to heal or every third time you told them to down, um, or it's kind of variable, right? So the dog can't predict it, but they assume, Ooh, that electricity could be coming with the command. And so what that would do was keep, it would keep the dog kind of um, like on edge a little bit because that possibility of the Ah. electricity always existed, right? So the dog's sitting there going, yeah, they're going, ooh, that thing could happen. So I need to move quick because I'm on edge and this is a possibility. And it's the same sort of like edge that we keep a dog on loading that we keep a dog on at the possibility of reward, which is something that we really want is we want the suspense and the energy that's created with that possibility, that hope, we want the anticipation, right? We get a lot. We get a lot out of that. So it's the same thing. The dog feels. Sorry, ahead. sorry. I hate I hate interrupting you because I know you get on these things. But <laughs> I want to like just for me and and you know the people who are listening to, uh, what you're talking about is that anticipatory uh, build, and that really creates a lot of drive-in dogs. And, and mm-hmm. one thing that you taught me, Forrest, when, when, when I was working with Lakota during some healing, just to add on what you're about to get into, is instead of the ball, I was using a ball on a rope. Yeah. And you, and you told me, because um, I had the ball kind of up towards my chest and I was working on that. You told me to put the ball next to her head. And you said, no, 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 just leave it like neutral. Like let it just be right next to her. And that built so much, and like what you're talking about right now is very anticipatory. It wasn't mm. hidden; it was right here, and it didn't. Mm. You didn't. You, she didn't know when I was going to break it to her. She didn't mm-hmm. know when I was going to give her that yes or that okay or whatever command. Yeah. And so that anyway. So I just wanted to explain that that what you're talking about is that very anticipatory thing can really build a lot of uh, drive, and what you're getting into is probably careful how you do it but go ahead sorry yeah 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 no that's that's good man um and to be like clear anticipation is 
such a key fact. Like Huge. it's kind of every, it's kind of everything. Um, I think when you're playing around with the possibility of punishing a dog for not doing something, they need to be able to predict, predict or anticipate when those things are going to happen. That gives them control over it. Um, but then anticipation of like doing the activity, it's, it's, um, animals are addicted to the maybe anybody out there is kind of a junkie for like science. You can look up the science of jackpotting by Robert Sapolsky. There's like a 10 minute YouTube video, but it kind of explains it. But in sport work, anticipation is huge for us. So in the beginning, dogs are learning to do things to get the rewards that are attached to them. But eventually it's the the anticipation of actually just doing the thing that they've learned to do. So once the behavior is fluid, um, it's just the anticipation of doing it that's actually the reinforcing part of that whole experience. And that's what drives the behavior then is the anticipation. So that's really important to us in the, in the sport work. But back to the the China thing, this is just something, and this is more sport related too, but I think it's important. Somebody could consider this if you're a pet trainer as well, right? Um, so the these two different clubs of guys, they were, they were talented trainers. And if in, in China, just to give it just a touch of backdrop, like the dog culture is changing over there. There's like people with, with money are now over the last 15, 20 years are buying dogs, especially probably the last 10 years, buying dogs from Europe and having people come over to teach them. And they're starting to embrace them as, as like it's pets and working dogs and the military is getting into using them and police. And, and so it's interesting and it's cool. And they're uh, my experience, at least with students that I've met and friends over there is that they're intentional and they're smart and they want to get it right. right? And pretty analytical too, in some senses. Um, and so they had, a number of these guys that were doing the competition had just come off of the heels of the seminar where they were um, instructed and it's, it's actually, it's good collar training, but they were at this point where they were using the collar intermittently. So every so often in the same time, they'd say a verbal cue, they would just nick the collar. And so these dogs had already learned how to escape the pressure. So they know they were in like the pressure was associated with doing the behavior and getting the reward. So they were kind of pumped up about the electricity and the electricity was just staying there every so often to keep them in a state of, uh, a reminder, hey man, this is it. So they they definitely expected it to come, or the possibility was still driving some of the um, intensity and the animation and the behaviors. And what happened then in the competition is these, and I was aware of the folks that were doing using the collar with in conjunction with the cues, and I was kind of curious to see how they would do in the competition. And when the competition came around, and this is, I think, kind of what happens either if you haven't completed this practice to the extent. Like if the dog doesn't have enough experience to carry that edge that they get from the possibility of electricity with the cues for, you know, 15 minutes, um, which is how long that level one was, 15 to 20 minutes. Um, Or if you haven't evolved the collar to being punitive, let me make this clear. In the competition, when the collar wasn't there, halfway through the dog's all, the behavior dropped off. So the intensity, the animation, and even the confidence of the dogs. So they looked much different at the second half of the performance than the first half. And it's because they didn't have that reminder of the electricity here and there. Like at some point it started fading and they're like, ah, oh, that thing's not here anymore. Um, and what that collar was doing is every, it was, it was because the dog was conditioned uh, like with the stim to rise up a little bit because they might be getting something because that's how it was conditioned. When that little, jolt that little shot of juice wasn't there um to remind them like over time they basically lost motivation and came off came off of their uh, steroid it's almost kind of what it felt like a little bit and so it was very foreign the training they were used to getting a lot of electricity in the training and that kept them up kept them kind of juiced and then competition they had never gone 
10 minutes without getting some electric stim to kind of remind them. And so they fell out of what they were accustomed to. And here, here's like, I guess, what my contention with that would be. Of course, I use the remote collar where, where I see fit and, and um, take it seriously, like how to implement that tool correctly and with the dog that's in front of me. But when you're using it that way, paired with cues, the dog doesn't have a choice. That's the, that's the point. Like they don't have a choice to escape it or to avoid it. You're automatically pressing the button while you say the word come heal. Mm-hmm. Right. And that you can, you can exist there for a little bit. If you're just trying to associate the electricity with the behavior, you could do that, but you're not saying heal. And if the dog doesn't, then pressing the button right. to say you're wrong for not doing it. So in, in the essence of it, the dog doesn't have a choice. You're just throwing that energy in with the cue. And so to give the power back to the dog, to truly see that they're governing their own behavior, that they're making choices and that they understand consequences, good or bad, so they get the outcomes, you have to give them their choices back. That's it would be my opinion if you're using a tool like that. And so you say, come, dog doesn't, and maybe the collar is up higher now. So they don't they no longer want that information. They don't want to experience the electricity because no longer is it saying you're getting a reward or hey, this is just juicing me up. It's like, whoa, that was uncomfortable. I think I'm just gonna come the next time you ask me to so that I can avoid experiencing that. Yeah. That's where the real power comes in. Now the dog has the choice, you know, to do versus it's implied. Yeah, and that's that's like I, I hybrid that um on both ends is I do a lot of associational stuff. Um, especially in the teachings, um, I do the best I can to advocate for the tool. I mean, sometimes, and that gets in the way, and I'll be the first to admit it. I'm I'm so passionate. And what what gets in the way? My advocacy for the tool. So I okay, I, I, yeah. I tried to associate it as much as I possibly can to teach the dog owner and the dog. Put a dog drawn three or four. The dog doesn't barely feels it. It's an association. So I think you have to be careful. And again, there's a lot of gray areas on anything that we talk about, you know, in dog training. And so, and especially with the dogs. And so I do a lot of, um, and the way that I learned with the e-collars, um, a lot of the monks, the, the monks, the new skeet and the way that they introduced it. Cause I didn't know it other than that. And that was a long time ago, but <clears throat> just an association pattern of this is me. This is me. This is me. This is me. Once the dog clicks like, Oh, this sensation's you. Uh, the way that I put it to my clients is it's basically like dropping a, a, a an iPhone in an alien's pocket and you start calling them. They have to figure out how to answer it and figure out who it is. Oh, it's you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, and then as soon as they do, then you can switch gears and then you can use it as, oh, it gets more intense if you don't listen. But it's the yep. same. I think it's the same thing you were talking about. with. Yeah, the- I, you're, you're on the same lines with it for sure. Yeah. And, th- you know, like – the conversation to have with people, if here's the thing, and like we have to in the sport world, we have to consider this stuff. If I'm going to use a tool like that, if I if I've deemed that that tool is going to benefit my training, it's going to make things clearer, it's going to make this dog safer, Doesn't it's going to whatever. Yeah, then um, you don't have the ability to use that tool, just like you don't have the ability. Just like we have to wean dogs off of rewards, or we have to ensure that they will perform with the attitude we want, with the reliability we want. You know, to get the rewards, those aren't available to us in trial, nor are the ability to tell our dogs that they've done the wrong thing, right? And so we just have to make sure that our training is clear, that our training is on the path 
that we can get, we can move away from those things, that we don't rely on those things for the behavior. And so giving the dog the choice to do something, yeah. here's your opportunity. And they know that if they do it, they get rewarded. If they didn't, um, and hopefully like your dog just doesn't even care to not do it. They, they're so into the training that they just want to do it. But we have to consider getting rid of these things or having behavior that's reliable without them. The, the constant wearing of the mm-hmm. collar. Mm-hmm. And that's not the same thing. If you're like in everyday life, your dog can walk around wearing that collar. You're going to have that tool there, especially if they're like still making the mistakes so that the possibility of making the mistake is there, whatever it is. And you're using the collar to block that thing or punish that thing or just move the dog around in a way. You don't have to consider the same thing. So in sport, we have to have the conversation like, cool, you're going to use that tool. All right. Do you have a plan to make it clear and keep the dog's confidence up and keep their attitude up to teach them with that thing? All right, good. And then you have a strategy or the knowledge to get away from that thing as well. And so that's the conversation I think that needs to have. Totally, totally. And I, and I, and for those of you out there that are listening, um, you know, when we talk about sport, Forest, maybe you can touch on this too, because um, you're you're a hundred times more into it than I am uh, as far as knowledge. When we talk about sport, for those of you who don't know, it's 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 exactly what it sounds like. There's dog yeah. sports, um, yeah, and and um, and I also think Forrest, Correct me if I'm wrong. The dogs that we're using in sport uh, for competitive, um, yep, doesn't matter if it's you know. Uh, whatever they call shits and now IP three or IPG three or whatever it is. <laughs> X, Xbox three, six. Yeah. Uh, the, the point is, is those dogs, those trainers, those handlers, uh, those situations, holy crap, those situations are, are much more difficult than, um, uh, or much, I, I shouldn't say much difficult, much more different from, from some of the pet owners who are just trying to teach basic recall as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's wild what people like what what dogs will be doing in sport? So. Yeah, some of the stuff that they put them through. That guy that tagged you. So um, I don't know his name. It starts with a C. He tagged me in the same post he tagged you on Instagram. Um, sometimes I I scroll through like what people tag me in, and I saw that guy. Oh. He was spraying his dog with the hose and doing all sorts of routines. You commented on it. That's why I knew. Oh, I knew you knew um, who he was. Um, yeah, Chris Coolahan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was. Wild. Yeah, he's wild. <laughs> yeah, he's that was wild. wild. So like. Um, what did I say about this? Oh, I've, I've, yeah, that's L. I've done a little sport work, right? So when Elzer and Endy were um, younger, um, I competed a handful of times with each of them, got low-level titles on them. But I used to be in it for a few years. I was really hard into it and enjoyed it. Right? You were in decoy, though, like hard, right? Yeah, well, I decoyed Mondi Ring, and I had a French Ring certification, too, and I did two trials with that, and I did more with Mondio. I did a, a fair amount, but... Um, Anyway, and that's something that I uh, definitely like aim to get back into because sport's really a lovely place to be. And, and when just uh, well, I've got a young dog right now, and if she's meant for the, I'm training her up with a ring in mind. So if she can, uh, if she can cut the mustard, she'll get out there. But there's nothing like a nothing like a young, strong male dog, you know, that yeah. and fucks people up. So <laughs> and that's what I want. I want another piece. <laughs> but uh. So you know what's funny for us, really oh, quick, really quick, and that's yeah. a, that's the beauty of a podcast is, and I try to tell people, you know, we're not, we're this isn't an interview, this is a conversation, and yeah. um, I talk about Elzer a lot, um, just because you know Taylor, uh, my girlfriend and I, when we were out there hanging out with you, uh, in, yeah, in where you're from, and um, you know, a lot of people, I think, I think the the Malinois gets such, I think bad rep, 
mainly from crappy breeders and people who don't know what they're doing with them. And I just tell them all the time, mm. like, you know, there's Malinois. I've also like just seen just lay around all day. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, like Elzer and ND. Yeah. They just chill until you turn them on. Same thing with Lakota, my, my Dutchie. When you turn them yeah. on, you know, they're ready to go. But if you're like, hey, this is what we're doing. We're chilling. We're zenning. We're li- what are you listening to? When I was out there, you were really into like classical Italian music. Like, <laughs> 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 well, where that the hell were we listening to Rat Pack or something? <laughs> yeah, well, we got. Oh, into- you know, no, we were listening to Sigurós, I think. Yeah, we were. We were, we got into a lot. Icelandic. Of- yeah, we, yeah. We got a lot of. We got into a lot of different stuff. That was fun. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So um, what were... Jordan, my fiance, turned me on to Ben Howard, and so I've been listening to quite a bit of him. And then, um, uh, I just, the last couple of days I've been bumping that new Kid Could I and Eminem. Oh shit! Yeah. I don't know if you heard that, bro. But uh, I, I, I like the M. Yeah, I have a lot. Well, it's funny. I was just in Michigan doing some training in Novi. Um, private client flew me out there to work for a couple of days. That was beautiful. It was enjoyable. Cool. They had a backyard. Um, pizza oven like a brick oven pizza oven so we we invited oh all the, sweet yeah we invited all the neighbors over and we drank local beer and it's so funny like i i guess i come off as like i mean i like beer i like coffee i like water too but like anywhere <laughs> anywhere i go and like even like i was just showing you that beer i have like when people come out of state they just bring me coffee and beer so it must be that prevalent that <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude I like, you know, my stick's going to be, I like $100 bills. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really like, I really like, enjoy money. Tom, I, I really know you love 20s. There's five of them. <laughs> that's Just my hobby. Coming. Yeah, that's my yeah. hobby. <laughs> yeah, dude. And the beer and coffee. No, that's cool, man. It means people are paying attention and they care. Yeah, it's so. cool. I'm super happy. Hey, I'll, what happens. Anyway, what I'll were double, we? I'll I'll come back around and just say like if so the, the question that people ask is um, like at what age I think that I would just say like I would be more interested in what skill set your dog has so like talking about the prong again yeah yeah just like at what age should I put one on I just say hey you know like actually let's just talk about what's in place and where you need to get to like where are you at and where do you need to get to yeah and then let's find out where this thing can fit in because it's a really can be a really useful tool and even if like the whole goal is I just want to walk my dog around more calmly. Um, or more easily, I want to enjoy a walk. Um, you know, they like, and the dog can, can can tolerate or handle it. Yeah, man, you could probably, if you got under good guidance or have a have a experienced hand, you can facilitate like an easy session. In one session, you can get the dog walking around and that no problem. And if somebody's interested in going deeper and they they want to do more, they want to build things with their dog, they want you know they have goals that are beyond just the normal walk, then. Um, it might be a different kind of introduction to it. So might not get there so quickly. So the age wouldn't matter as much to me as the yeah. skill set and what we're dealing with with the dog. That makes sense. And it's just, a, it, you know, for me, it's, just, it's a reinforcement too. You never, uh, well, I shouldn't say never. I, I never, I never want to say never, but um, I think it's just a conversation, like like you said, and, and I think that it's a reinforcement. Same thing with the e-collar. Like I, I really don't want the equipment to be the deciding factor whether or not a dog complies. I want it to be a reinforcer. And so if I need it, it's there. In, 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 enforcer. Enforcer, yeah. Right. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. I got you. I know what you meant, but yep, I know what you yeah. meant. Yeah, so enforce that, hey, this is this is happening, and if you don't listen, then this is, this is going to happen. And then the dog goes, oh, yep. well, I'm just going to do it then. You say, well, thank you very much. Yeah. And I just tell people, yep. like, that's – that's something that is is huge. Like you can't, you can't let the, 
you know, you don't want the tool to be the deciding factor, whether or not things are going to happen. You want it there to help and back up, you know, like just like with parenting. Yeah, that's right. I say that with parenting yep. all the time. Go to your room. They say no. You take away their iPhone. They go, okay, fine. And the next time you ask them, yep. they, they do it. Yep. Yep. Cool. So let's talk. Let's talk about let's talk about your new gig, man. I, I looked into it. I, I I dug I dug into it, but I want you to tell the people, and I'll I'll tell the people mm-hmm. first and foremost. Firstly, um, that you haven't put out you haven't put out curriculum for purchase, and when I say purchase, I mean like quality, uh, digestible. I mean taking notes, really informative things. And when's the last time you put something out like that? I think since um, probably right. Yeah, yeah. Since probably the Healer's Toolbox series, which was six years ago. Yeah, I did six years ago. Yeah. yeah. How did, I, how did I that was that? fun, man? I was just doing a lot of healing work with my dogs, and we decided to put put it together. I was playing with a ton of information. We I conceptualized a lot of stuff. So healing is a real cool, complicated behavior, but a lot of like good training concepts can show up within that behavior or be demonstrated from that behavior. And so I think the um, I think the, the the thing that I find the most with like I was even doing it with a, my dog Lakota earlier is that anticipation of like throw the ball, throw the frisbee, throw yeah, the, give me yeah. a tug. It's just like yeah, yeah, they, yeah. And like same thing with Elzer and any other dogs that you heal. They're just look. Yeah. They're you know. And for those of you who are listening who who who, who aren't familiar with Forrest's, um healing toolboxes, very uh, competitive style. Um, Precision healing. Precision yeah. healing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so not so normal f- stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's yeah. just, it's not, we're not talking loose leash walking. We're talking. Yeah. Not, it's, it's very, <laughs> I mean, some serious stuff. Competitive focus looking on you like very, yeah. Yeah. You know, fancy. It's fancy, just, fancy it's stuff. cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's really fun. like, it's a neat thing to train. And if you're into like, that's why you got into it because there's like, with Lakota, you did it because it's like once you, like, just like I said before, it's a place that a lot of neat training concepts can show can show up or can yeah. be demonstrated. And like an example of that is reward placement. So that's a concept. Like where does the dog expect to be released to reward or from the reward to come from, right? And so like reward placement is your dog is in a down stay and you walk back up to him and you feed him a piece of food in front of their face for being in a down. That's a reward placement concept. And healing, if you shove an, a ball in your armpit and the dog is walking, staring at the ball, and you say, yeah, and you let them have it. That's a reward placement. The ball in the left hand and the outside of the head reward placement. So anyway, that's a concept. And that concept can be illustrated in many different ways. Like it can specifically be performed or demonstrated in different ways. But anyway, precision healing is a great place to show a lot of these concepts. So we made that. So six years ago, go back to your original question. Hey, man, Jesus. it's a conversation. It's This isn't, that's, you know, people are listening and they just... You know, it is what it is. You guys take it in. You suck it in. So six, <laughs> six, six years ago. Years ago, and then um, that I did that because it just felt good and felt right at the time. And one of the things that I I want to do anyway, or I'm like my aim right now is to put out information um, or training, like tutorials. That's what I'm doing. I'm calling them tutorials that is underrepresented, or that I think like if I feel like. I have something to say or that it would be helpful or useful. I want to put it out there. So like I've got a lot of friends that um, uh, publish information, put information out um, like for sale. They have resources that are out there. I've done it myself. Um, there's a lot of good quality information out there and I'm not interested in repeating necessarily stuff that somebody else has said or that somebody else has. Um, but if something 
is laid out in a way that I think will be helpful or if it's some sort of concept that's underrepresented or by keeping an eye on sort of like the temperature of dog training. And as I work with people either virtually or in person, um, you know, like stuff kind of, you get an idea for things. You go, man, like here's a, I've seen this trend in dog training mm-hmm. right now. And one thing, one thing that's kind of popping up though, is that like I see a dogs that feel a little bit unbalanced or they're having a hard time holding that position because they're thinking too much about the reward. Or like, there's a lot of people that are getting a lot of young people that are getting dogs that have, good energy for the work and they can, they can make a lot of behavior with, they can do sport with surely they're living very active lifestyles with them. And these folks are interested in training and making things with their dogs. So they need to know, like they need to have the details broken down in a way so they can also be precise quality trainers. So grabbing those details, the handling things, trying to quantify the qualitative aspects of training that you see really good trainers that they just do because it's natural. It's trying to make that information or those skills available to people. And a lot of times it's slowing things down and it's honing in on really small things, but I don't want those small things to be belaboring or taxing to somebody or disinteresting or like, I don't need to know that. That's, that's too insignificant. It has to be important. It has to be something that, whether you know it or not, this will be very useful to you. And anyway, so all, all that to say that it took me a while to decide that I wanted to do something like this again. And the first thing is I had to have something in my hands that I was creating with again. And so, you know, my Elzer and Andy are 10 years old now and uh, more, more than 10. And um, for about, you know, seven years or six years, that's all I did was train them. And it was like my life and it was cool. And I learned a lot and, and that was great. And then probably the last four years, I kind of was catching my breath, you know, it just wasn't, um, I had raised a couple of dogs for other people. I had surely participated in the rearing of dogs or the coach, coaching or helping of other folks, but wasn't making something for myself. And so, um, the puppy that I took, uh, our buddy, Mike Ellis, um, just gave me a puppy. He said, play with her. Uh, we wanted to keep her around with somebody new. So, um, I just been enjoying creating with her again, discovering, developing, whatever, and stuff was coming up. So as I was kind of considering that, which I've taken in and been aware of, I was like, what could be useful for folks right now as I watch the landscape of dog training? And so that's what kind of my, my aim is. And nobody's reinventing the wheel. To me, there's nothing proprietary out there. There's nothing um, that's revolutionary or that's amazing. I see a lot of people putting their own spin on things, which is great, or trying to explain things better than they had been in the past, which is great. Uh, But nothing that I've seen, you know, that even if somebody hasn't been been around long and hasn't been a history of dog training, they might think that that's new. Um, For me, it's never the case. Like Mm -hmm. I've always seen seen an example of it from somebody doing it even 20 20 years ago. So – um, so anyway, that's my motivation right now is I'm having fun with it. And if there's something that catches my eye that I think will be useful, I'm giving it out. And this last, this latest tutorial, I guess I'll get to the point here and maybe I can plug this thing. Ah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Let me plug this thing. Tom. <laughs> Let's talk about it. This tutorial, I called it <clears throat> foundations and commitment. And it's, I think it's considerate of a lot of different people coming from different training approaches. So whatever your angle is, I think that there's something in it for you. And one of the things that I've noticed and I've been helping people with is um, having, giving them a, 
a greater eye for detail in their training. And so, especially with dogs that are well-driven, um, that are gamey, you can start to see certain behaviors break down even at like a micro level, like a really small level. And for me, it looks like a lack of contentness or commitment to a position. And so an example would be like, you've got your dog on a down, a down, and you're going to go chuck a ball for them. And as they see you about to chuck the ball, they're already lifting an elbow or other, they're already hovering above the ground. And so a person that doesn't expect that much or know to expect more might let that happen. And the dog's already releasing as they're staying free or something like that. Right. So here's just an example. And I started just seeing more of this as people are getting better at reward based training and they're more open to using rewards and they want their dogs to have some good energy because they're trying to teach behaviors that that could use it that benefit from having the energy. There's also something um, like a diminishing return if you can't control the precision um, and have a dog that's disciplined within all of that energy. And so can, there can be this point where all that energy starts to not serve you as well. And the dog can't keep it together. They can't be accurate what they're doing. And you don't even know how to know if they're accurate or not. And so this tutorial is about giving you an eye for like criteria. So I use three common positions, the, stand, uh, the down, the sit, and the stand, and those are kind of progressions for each other. And I use those because most people end up training something like that. If you got a dog, you're like, yeah, hey, I'd like to teach my dog to stay on a down while I go and pick an apple off of this tree and come back. So it's like, cool, you can train that and you should have an eye for that and know exactly what to expect. And because these training pieces have been broken down and they're sort of laid out in this progression, if you've worked hard to secure even a small detail of something, whatever you're training your dog, if you've worked hard to secure that detail, you're not going to forget about it. And so even as you move on and you train more and you build the dog into greater behaviors or more things, if this thing starts slipping, that first thing that you built, if you were aware of it, you worked hard on building it, you're going to see it. Even when more is going on, when there's way more going on, you're going to hone in and go, I made that thing. We worked hard on that. I'm not going to let that slip. I'm not going to let that go. And it doesn't mean that you're up your dog's butt. You're going, this is what I expect from you. It's you both understand like how much effort went into making these things. So you're naturally together going to preserve those small little behaviors or those small little things that you've built off to make more. Yep. And so the point is giving folks an eye for detail, letting them know what they should even be training, like how, how much you could break something down. And again, it's not to belabor them. It's, it's the right. I think that there's a lot of, rightness in it it's useful to break it down to this level because it challenges you to go wow i should be thinking about it that way and then in this particular tutorial foundations and commitment i think there's a lot to offer a person that is just trying to become a better handler because a lot of as you know like probably one of the things that people give you credit for a lot is they go man you're so natural with the dogs like and so how do you tell somebody how to like act the way that you do with the dog can you even it feels, you feel like, you know, we, we like to talk about training as an art. Like it's the art of training, right? I, yeah. I like, I've, I said that. And lately I've kind of, um, and I still believe that for me, hell yeah. Like when I grab a dog and I'm like, that's my canvas, I'm painting on it for sure, yeah. right? But if we're the artist, like what we actually have to do is, like I think if you call it, if you call it art, like some people go, well, there's artists and there's people that aren't artists. So they might automatically assume they're not an artist and they have no business like striving to be a painter or something like that. Right. And so what our, what our aim to do is actually like give people the skills so that they can paint too. And so I'm like 
looking at the things that I do that I think make a difference in training and handling with my dog. When people watch and they go, man, that was really lovely to watch. You can see you guys really tuned in. I like how you did this one thing at this certain time. It made a difference. That's the stuff I want to carve out and give people so that, you know, they can paint too. They can more intuitively know how to handle their dog in situations. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. Like I, I put out that, um, dog training is art, um, design, uh, on a t-shirt and I, uh, you know, I believe the same thing, man. It's just like, I, I think for me, it was more about just the general public realizing that giving the dogs a voice saying that, you know, working with dogs is not just like a, a pet smart pet co, um, job. And it's not something that comes easy. It's something that you really got to be, you know, you got to take your time out. It's really tough. You know, you get animals living in the same house with you and you got to, it's yeah. a, it, it, it's a, you know, and, and like you said, like each dog is a, it's a, it's a blank canvas and what you do yeah. with it is, but like you said, it is frustrating. So, so your, so your whole, um, tutorial, I dug into it. Um, I'm going to have some of my client or some of my, um, well, probably some of my clients, but some of my staff dig into it too. So there's a, there's, it's almost module based, um, for those behaviors and it's step by step. So when you purchase it, it's through, See, I don't, I don't know how it is because I know you sent it to me kind of like differently. Yeah, yeah, code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Secret like how – for it. <laughs> so when, when people like right now that are listening, they're like, hey, I want to I wanna learn a little bit more how Forrest is operating and, and what his message is and, 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 and get better at handling my dog and understanding my dog in, in a better way. What's the process they – they log. I mean, not not just like, hey, what's the website? Like, I I want to know. Like, yeah. So they. So yeah. what is it? What is it about? Sure. How's it? Good. Work? Cool. I'll say first. I'll say that if you're somebody that's listening to this and you're interested in it at all, I would say, or, or you're not sure if you're interested in it, but you're not sure if it applies to you, I would say that if you have um, a dog that isn't settled in to a behavior, if you, you've worked on something, a down, a sit, and your dog just can't keep it together, it breaks it a lot, or it's got too much energy and it's dancing around in position, or it's got not enough energy and you wish they were more attentive, I think it could be useful for you. If you were a sport trainer that's looking for ways that you can uh, kind of like level out your dog's energy or their mentality in the work to be more functional, then maybe they're a bit over the top or they're not enough, then there would be um, some, some suggestions in there for you. And so I think that across like disciplines, there's a lot of useful stuff in there to access it. I would say if you're, if you're curious what it's about and wanted to know more, I only have the, uh, the Instagram, the social media, but you can go to my Instagram page. And then on there, I do put up some videos of me putzing around with birdie. And so there's stuff on there that probably would give you a feel for like how I do things. And you can go, oh, I like the feel of this guy. Let me check it out. But I've, the video is available through Vimeo. And so if you went to my website, um, forestmickey.com you could go into the video section and you could click on it there but it would bring you into vimeo which is where it's hosted so i recommend people go to my website and that's where they could access the tutorial read more about it see the concepts that are in there and then make a decision on whether they think it's worth the money yeah and i uh, i can tell you like to. you know it, it is it's first of all it's yeah. way too, you know I, I told you the first thing it's way too cheap it's yeah. way too cheap man you, i mean you can tell you put a lot of energy it's a lot of really, 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 really good information. Um, and I think the way that you did it is also very digestible for anybody. I don't think it's yeah. for anybody dealing with competitive or uh, that has to be a trainer at all. I think it's anybody that wants to, to, to sharpen up their, their tool set. Um, I know I took a lot of things 
from it, and I'm still, you know, kind of rewatching some segments to, to, to go into, and I think it's great. I think it's awesome, and I think anybody yeah. that wants to to really sharpen up some things, and and I think just learning new. I mean, I think a lot of people in the dog world, including myself and yourself, um, just learning new stuff. And I think that this yeah. is a. I mean, wh- what is it like thirty dollars for? Yeah. For the whole yeah. thing, and so yeah. when you yeah. when you download it or when you when you get it on, so you go to your website, you go to Vimeo. Do you just pay for it and then you have it forever, or do you download yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, you can download it or stream it and you have it forever. Yeah, yeah. That's you awesome. know, man, there's a couple. There's a couple of reasons. Like, um, the price is is intentional. Like, um, I want it to be accessible to people, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's fair trade for the amount of effort and stuff that I put into it. Uh, I do think that it offers a lot. So I, I haven't had anybody say they regret buying it or spending thirty dollars <laughs> on it. Yeah. For sure, I haven't had. Oh. And that's good. And the best, I think the best uh, like compliment I've got on it from a lot of people is that they've watched it num- numerous times and yeah. they keep pulling, keep pulling things yes. from it. And I did lay it out in a way that um, it's kind of um, my partner, Jordan says it's kind of busy <laughs> in, a, in like a good way, but there's like, there's a lot right. And the, and yeah. the information flows kind of quickly, but you can always pause and stop and ingest things. And what I wanted to do is I assume certain things about the person that's watching. Like I didn't break things down to the uh, like certain things down or go into too much detail about things that I'm going to assume people kind of have a grasp on nowadays, like a marker, you know, I'm like, I need to go into so much detail, maybe with some folks listening to this, but you can always look that up, Google it. Right. But I wanted them to, um, I didn't want to make it uh, too bogged down with those details, but I also wanted to do justice to what needs to be um, acknowledged and what folks need to be aware of when they're making training with a dog because it can be, and it should be detailed and it should be clear and it should be fun. It should be challenging in a good way. Like something that you can rise up to your dog can and you can. And dude, so many people, this is the best thing. Like you'll see it too. It's what I hope for. It's not always the case, but I'm kind of lucky. I think uh, people who seek me out now are very interested in their dogs and very interested in, doing something with them, doing more. I want to teach my dog this. I have no idea why, but I just want to. And man, like my dog's cool. I got him so I can do shit with him. I want to hike around with him. He's my buddy. I want to spend a lot of time with him. So I need him to be this way. It's like, Hey man, let's start making some cool things for him. They start building things and playing with their dogs and developing some, do some food training, develop some toy game. And all of a sudden, like they see all these opportunities open up to them. They want to just dig deeper and deeper. And like Mike Ellis always said that, his job was, he felt like his job was to get people to fall in love with the process of training. And just pr- probably because he's such a big influence, uh, friend and mentor to me and peer, um, like just how I've kind of aligned my own you know, career or craft now is I don't take, like I personally, I used to do this, but don't take dogs in anymore unless it was like some real like situation where I felt like I needed to, to give them a jump start on it. But I mostly choose to work with folks that want to put the work in themselves. Yeah. And I'm not advocating and saying that's the way it should be done because that's not the reality of it. Like um, it's dogs, a lot of situations, many situations need to go to school, need to learn from a teacher and they can come back a better student to their person as well. Right. But it's just the way that I choose to kind of flow with it now. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's good, man. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's great, and I think you're right. I think I think I, the general consensus is the same thing that I said: is you almost have to pause and go, 
All right, and you kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit, and it really just breaks. It's simple. It's simple stuff. Yeah, but it's a progression. So what's cool is that after you get through it, you go, I can do that. Yeah. Shit, I can do that. Every step was laid out, and I see how it works to the next step. So that's – I yeah. feel like that's good good training. That's what I'm going to do. No, I, I love it, man. I love it. Cool. So people can find it at forestmickey.com. That's right. People video can, section. Yeah, yeah, in the video section. So you guys can go to the video section and, and purchase this for 30 USD, um, just, which is like I said, like Forrest said, like it is very – it's more than reasonable. Um, I think it's – you know, it's definitely – uh, a really a steal. Uh, in, in, steal of the century. Yeah, it's it's definitely a steal. I think that that's very generous of you, to be honest. But anyway, and then people can follow you on Force Mickey at Force Mickey uh, on Instagram and um, yeah. check out some of his stuff if you guys haven't already yeah. yet. I know that Force yeah. has been on the podcast for a while. Any any last uh, words to the people? Well, I say like so. Now I'm switched gears and I'm working on two two different tutorials now. I decided to break it up and they're on um, a couple of precision healing things. So you're doing so more healing. We were talking about earlier. Cool. Yeah. But they're, um, it's concepts that again, I think are underrepresented. So there's stuff I haven't seen around that people ask me about. And I've walked a number of students in, the, in this COVID times. I've had a lot of like people reach out sure. to me for virtual, virtual help and um, a fair amount of them have been healing stuff. And some, a lot of them are dealing with just positional trouble or positional errors. So um, it's detailed, work what's elder doing i was looking at birdie she's got like something in her hair or something like that peasy's right here though but uh yeah just precision healing stuff anyway i'm making more of my release and when they come out there's no rush i'm just having fun awesome all right so people can do that they can follow you they can again like i i urge anybody out there that wants to kind of better their dog and their relationship and their training to to check forrest's new tutorial how long is the tutorial altogether 37 minutes. Yeah, so less than an hour, a little bit more than half an yeah. hour. It's beautiful. I really like it. But anyway, people can find that. And uh, Forrest, I appreciate you coming on, brother. Thanks, man. Yeah. And I'll talk to you when I talk to you. Yeah, sounds good, bro. All right. Peace. All right, you guys, that's a wrap for today. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you guys haven't yet, do not forget to leave your review in the reviews below or in the reviews above, wherever you're listening to this. Leave a review. I would appreciate it. Tag me on Instagram, screenshot it, share it with me. Automatically get entered to win a free online FaceTime or Zoom or phone conversation with me. And that's it. That's it for today, guys. I appreciate you listening so much. I will talk to you next time. Peace.